This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 139 for November 2019 with Alan Nelson on God's Holiness. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. Alan Nelson is author of Before the Throne, Reflections on God's Holiness, and he joins me this month to discuss God's holiness uh, with discussion based on his book. Alan is pastor of Perryville Second Baptist Church in Perryville, Arkansas. He also wrote From Death to Life, How Salvation Works, which was the subject of our discussion the first time he was on the show. He also writes for Things Above, a Christian group blog dedicated to missions, evangelism, theology, and sports. Show notes for this episode are available. You'll find a basic outline of the discussion, a list of scriptures that are referenced during our discussion, and links to additional resources. You can find that at echozoe.com slash 139. There's a video version of the show available. If you prefer to watch, you can find that at the Echo Zoe Ministries YouTube channel or at echozoe.com slash 139. Trying out a few different things for this episode. Um, as you can see, if you're watching the video, I've got a different angle that I'm using. Also got a new uh, new audio mixer that's an all-inclusive podcast production device I'm really excited about. So recording everything all at once as opposed to my usual, um, usually I do all of this after the fact, but um, hopefully it'll pr- uh, improve both production quality and workflow, making things easier, but hoping that works out. I will have some mistakes though, so uh, please bear with me on that. But um, that's all I have for introduction. So with that, let's bring Alan on for discussion welcome alan sorry there's my first mistake forgot to unmute you (laughs) (laughs) hey andy can you hear me i can can hear hear you now yeah good good brother uh how's it going man it's going well um i like i said i'm really excited about this uh new new equipment Uh, you know i'm a tech guy so i i like tech i'm not an early adopter but i am a kind of guy who likes to get new gadgets and stuff and uh i just discovered this thing like last week i was doing some searching to try to solve a couple problems i have with my old equipment uh when i did my last episode with jim osman i i had a buzz in the computer and i was trying to figure out well what's what's the best long-term solution for that and was looking for different ways to connect the computer and how can i do that with usb instead of running audio cables all over the place and i came across this thing and i said that's it that's what i need <laughs> that's yeah. you know podcaster's dream turns out my friend andrew rapaport has got one and a bunch of other podcasters have them and it's like it's the cat's meow everybody loves them so i've been really excited about um getting to try it and i just got it last night so i'm i'm really like jumping in the deep end by recording an episode the day after i got the thing unboxed and hooked up and whatnot but uh well, I feel honored to be the first, uh, the first one. Well, thanks. Yeah. And, and it's got cool stuff. Like I did all that intro music and stuff is, is loaded up on the board. I can just hit buttons. I can, you know, if you tell a, a whopper of a joke, I can give you the rim shot. 
you know, and uh, <laughs> now I'm fighting the urges to like load a bunch of that kind of stuff up. Cause uh, I think it'll change the format of the show, not necessarily for the better, but uh, it's there. <laughs> but uh, so how are you? Let's talk about how you're doing and, and maybe reintroduce yourself. Cause it's been a year and uh, talk about Alan Nelson and your, your uh, ministry. And of course we're going to talk about your book too. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really grateful to be back on. Um, what do you? What what month was I on? Was it? It was a year ago. It was it was the November episode last year. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. well, and that's kind of well, why I reached out to you because I was trying to. I was falling behind over the summer. Yeah, I was finding myself. Um, you know, I was kind of telling you before we started that I've been dealing with some serious fatigue issues, and you know, I, I mentioned health issues in September, and you know, I've been dealing with some really serious fatigue and seeing the Mayo Clinic to try and get it figured out and stuff. And, and part of dealing with that and then having a busy family and stuff was, I just really was falling behind on the, on the show and, uh, decided, you know, I, I did a, like a, um, what do you call it? Replay kind of thing. Uh, um, what do you call those? My mind's blanking. Um, when they show us something that you're watching TV, a rerun. Oh, rerun. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. So after doing that, then I thought, okay, I'm going to use that time to try to get caught back up and get back on my normal schedule. Yeah. And that's why I thought, well, I'm going to reach out to not just like my October episode, but let's do uh, November and actually got December hopefully figured out too. And so, uh, hoping to get back on track. And I look back at the archives and said, oh, it's been a year. And we did talk about your book, your other book. And then you also had mentioned you were doing this book. And yeah. Perfect. Let's, let's do it. Well, that's, yeah, that's great, man. I, uh, yeah. In the, so in the last year, you know, I obviously got this book published and it, it came out in, uh, just the end of April and, um, I haven't added any more kids. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think we're pretty content with five and grateful, grateful for them. Mm-hmm. And then we're just still ministering here in our hometown of Perryville, Arkansas at, at Perryville Second Baptist Church and just seeking to uh, to be faithful to the Lord and, and just try to uh, see him work here in a, a rural context in uh, mm-hmm. in the Bible Belt. Cool. Well, um, let's talk about your book then. I mean, that's going to be the discussion. It's called Before the Throne, Reflections on God's Holiness. And it's really a, a, a primer on the holiness of God. But Yes, sir. Yeah. What um, what was the the spark that um, inspired you to to write to to put it in writing? Yeah, there was um, there was a a brief season. I was asked to preach a conference, a couple of messages on God's holiness, and I really just began studying and and just really uh, really was just saturated in that for a little while as I prepped and. I just was overwhelmed, you know, and I just thought I, I want to put this, I want to share this, you know, this is more than just a, a message. I want to be able to share this with people. And so I began writing actually in 2016 and, um, but I just, it just didn't, you know, I, I was encouraged. My wife encouraged me and I had a brother in, in the Lord encourage me, but I just kind of gave up. I thought nobody will want to read this. So I, I set it aside and when I finished From Death to Life in, in 2018, and I got a lot of positive feedback, I thought, you know, I want to go pick up on the holiness of God. And so it's never really left my heart, but I just kind of set it aside for a little while. And I'm grateful I did. The Lord's providence was 
was good in that. It's a much better book than it would have been in 2016. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, you know, that's that's something I, I so much enjoy in, in ministry, whether it's, you know, like uh, mine's a part-time ministry, but um, it's just seeing the God's providence and how things work. And, and, it, and it's often, it can be reassuring that, yeah, the Lord is, is blessing what I'm doing in his name, you know, to see that providence work out. And Try. I, yeah. I, I love to bring it up because I, and then, and I think it reflects on his holiness, just seeing that, you know, how he works yeah. through the whole, the, the providence and stuff too. So. Well, um, all, I mean, I, I don't normally know the best way to, to tackle yeah. leading a conversation through a book, but, um, so I just, basically outlined your book as I was reading it kind of chapter by chapter and section by section and stuff. And, and so that's the best way I know how is just to jump in and um, kind of tackle what you wrote. Yes, and um, so you start out about God's undoubtable holiness. Yeah. The, uh, the book was a, Oh, originally. And they're, they're, they're all, they all start with a U. Uh, I, that was just, that was in my sermon and, and kind of the, each one was kind of a point of the sermon, but I wanted to think of a way to really, you know, how do we get into this book, you know? And so um, I just wanted to establish the fact, you know, that, that God is undoubtedly holy. Mm-hmm. And um, so it tells the, the story there of, of uh, what happened in, in Jeremiah's day and, um, you know, how the king cut up the Bible. And I just wanted to, uh, to establish the fact that, look, one of the things that is clear about the God of the Bible is he is without question, undoubtedly holy. And, uh, so it kind of gives us a launching point for the rest of the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you kind of start off talking a little bit about the scripture and the sufficiency of scripture and that, that seems to be a hot yeah. topic right now with, uh, yeah, in the church at large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like you just mentioned the the Jeremiah passage. Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh, obviously, uh, I'm I'm an SBC guy, even though there's some very <laughs> difficult days. Uh, and one of the things I think, if I could uh, sum up our problem, you know, one of the things that we have is an awe problem of of who God is. And one of the ways that manifests itself is we don't trust his word. We've won the battle of the inerrancy of scripture and even perhaps the authority of scripture, but we really have a problem with the sufficiency of the scriptures. That's yeah, that's well put. Um, so uh, you talk about undoubtedly hope or, I just noticed this. Un, the un, undoubtable holiness is the chapter title, but then you have a section title called "Undoubtedly Holy." Yeah, and, yeah. and getting God right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if in this, this is you know, in the in the acknowledge or in the in the uh, dedication, I, I mentioned you know my my dependence on Tozer and uh, and Sproul and Sharnock, and one of the things that that Sproul or that Tozer says in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, is what comes in, into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so essentially, you know, Tozer makes the argument, if we get God wrong, well, who cares what else we get right? You know, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, it could be like the, the rich, wrong, young ruler, for example. 
Uh, Seemingly everything in his life was going right. Uh, Wealthy, everything, even probably moral from the sense from from our perspective, you know, lived a, a moral upstanding life. But guess what? He got God wrong. And so what does all that other stuff matter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, of course, then it, it goes without saying that we're commanded to be holy as God is holy. That's and right. Yeah. Reflects on yeah. like how we are to live. Yeah. Yeah. It, one of the one of the reasons we need to understand God's holiness is because we need to understand uh, what it means that he's he tells his people that we're to be holy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, first Peter one fifteen. Yeah. And then you get into God's unspeakable holiness and, and knowing God. Yeah. Um, you know, and in each chapter ends with some reflection questions, just mm-hmm. in, in hopes of people, if they want to use this as a group study or family worship, uh, my, my friend, Michael Coughlin, really encouraged me with that. And so I want to thank him. But as we get into unspeakable holiness, what what I'm really trying to communicate there is how do we define holy? And if I can, uh, in a sense, you can't define, (laughs) you can't, um, I don't mean to be hopeless in that, but I'm just trying to say that the word holy and, and God's holiness is a much bigger concept. Unfortunately, we're too familiar maybe with the word holy at times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I mean, you're talking about language having its limits and, and finite creatures trying to understand the infinite and whatnot. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Holy breaks the human language, you know, um, because uh, you're trying to talk about, how the, the, the peanut brain can capture the fullness of the holy God. And uh, it's impossible. However, however, uh, I do want to emphasize it's not a hopeless endeavor because what God wants us to know, again, we get back to the sufficiency of scripture. Yeah. And what's encouraging is every single thing that God wants you to know about him, he has revealed to us in his word. Mm-hmm. And so that's encouraging. We don't have to go and, and get into a corner and, and hope that God would audibly speak to us or something, or we don't have to experience God in some sort of strange way. Uh, he's given us his word. And even though we can't fully comprehend all that holiness is, we do have enough to know. And God wants us to see how holy he is, how glorious he is. And we have enough to, uh, to, to, to know exactly what he would have us to know because he's given that to us in scripture. Yeah. Well, he's not only given that to us in scripture and through, through his um, special revelation as we might call it, but he's also shown us through his general revelation too, in, in different ways in, in like looking at the size and scope of our universe. It's just so vast and so beyond our comprehension and if you look at mathematics and seeing we all kind of generally understand the concept of infinity, I mean, we've got a symbol for infinity and we know what like super big numbers look like. And we know that infinity is way more than we ever could. I mean, I mean we could be writing numbers from here until, until eternity and we'll never even scratch the surface on that. But yeah. it does reflect upon that, that, that 
infinite nature of God and the, the incomprehensible that's kind of like sort of comprehensible of but incomprehensible in in many ways. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to our, our mutual friend, Andrew Rappaport. I quoted him in this chapter, and uh, he says, God is greater than any human's ability to understand him. This does not mean that we cannot understand anything about God, but that we can understand only that which he reveals to us. That's in from his book, What Do We Believe? And so, uh, yeah, I think that kind of captures captures what we're trying to say here. Yeah. Well, and that God... I mean, we can't fully understand God, but of course he understands us. He knows our limitations. That's right. And going back to that sufficiency of scripture, he knows what we're capable of and he knows what he needs to give us to, to, to understand what he wants us to know about him. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. And I mean, and then you got into the Trinity and I think that's, it's kind of a, you know, interesting to put that there with that part of the discussion because that's another thing that we we kind of understand somewhat conceptually, but nobody really understands the Trinity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a mystery, but it's a revealed mystery, and I think that that I, I hope anyway that it fits well in this chapter because uh, it's exactly what you said. You know, um, it is something we confess and it's something we hold to. Yet it's not it's not something you start talking about the, the Trinity for a while and you, and you just, you kind of go around and around without ever fully being able to exhaust all the intricate details, you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think, I think, I hope anyway that, it, that readers can see why I included that in this, in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly did. Um, there was a section heading called meeting God and, um, uh, it's earlier in the book, so I've had more time to kind of forget what that was about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, just basically each each chapter, um, I tried to uh, I tried to just show how it is that we can know this holy God, you know, um, and so just talking about. If we if we meet with this God of unspeakable holiness, who are we to think that we can meet with Him on our terms? Yeah. Uh, to to meet with God, it must be on His terms, and that's through the Son, and it's it's through His gospel and His and His finished work. And God wants us to know Him. So so you know, I quote from Jeremiah nine, where it says, "Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the the mighty man boasts in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and know me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So God calls us to know him. That's Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Um, but it's on his terms. Mm-hmm. God's holiness is untamable. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you've got a, I'm sorry to interrupt. You've got a a running theme throughout the book uh, from both Isaiah and revelation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, well, the two quintessential passages, if you will, on on God's holiness, uh, is Isaiah's vision in Isaiah six and then John's vision in revelation four. 
And both of these are the two places in scripture where it talks about God is holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. And so as we, as we kind of try to formulate our idea of holiness, we're really trying to dig into these, in these passages and think about what it means that, uh, that God is holy. And so uh, the fact that God is untamable, you know, um, the, 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 the Hebrew word, uh, used for Lord, um, when Isaiah says uh, he saw the the Lord high and lifted up, it's the word Adonai, which means you know the sovereign one. Mm-hmm. Um, God is not so often people, particularly today, uh, in 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 many places, people try to act like they can use God as like a political pawn or you know to to get their way or manipulate God or whatever, and uh, it's kind of like you know, the story of Joshua, when he meets the angel of the Lord, and he says, whose side are you on? <laughs> he says, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know, essentially communicating, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm on the Lord's side. Right. And, uh, and so we can't, God, we can't put God in our pocket. We can't tame him. We can't put him in a cage. He will not be domesticated. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a big problem today in, in the, the church at large, you know, kind of, and, and more so kind of in the false churches, you know, um, I think, you know, we just talked last month with Jim Osmond on, on the um, word of faith and, you know, specifically we were talking about spiritual warfare, but kind of their uh, spiritual warfare as it is generally understood from the word of faith side for the most part. But uh, I mean, they certainly want to want to, they want to use God almost as a, a magic genie or, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, in Isaiah 6, 3 is that famous phrase, which actually it's used uh, over 250 times in the Bible. But Isaiah 6, 3 is a famous phrase of Yahweh Savaoth. That's uh, that's the Hebrew. But we know it probably mo- or probably a lot of people know it from uh, Luther's hymn. And by the way, we're, we're recording this on uh, October 30th. Oh, yeah. So I, I've Curious what what Luther's night would have been like? What five hundred and two years ago, yeah. uh, day before, you know, whatever. But but he wrote, wrote the hymn, "Mighty Fortress is Our God," and in there is says, "Lord Sabaoth, His name." Well, that's directly from this. It's it it, it means often it's translated in the Bible as "Lord of Hosts," or or it can mean you know like "Lord of Armies." Um, but this this God is uh, often that the Israelites would would invoke. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant or would want the Ark of the Covenant in their battles, not always for the right reasons, but because they understood that God is the Lord of armies, even the heavenly armies. Um, and so suppose even we were a match for God, which we're not, mm-hmm. you would still have to get through all the heavenly hosts, you know, before you could even have counsel with this God and, and just trying to communicate once again, he is untamably holy. Um, he will not be manipulated and he will not be used for our purposes. Uh, he's after his own glory. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the futility of familiarity. That. uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, right, I'm just like, going off of um, like section headings again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I, I kind of tried to say is, the heart of this book, and I think I told you this before the show, but the heart of this book is, honestly, we need to know the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, we've come, become too familiar. 
and I think I used the illustration that to to be cavalier towards God's holiness, it's like grilling burgers on your back porch while a tornado is barreling towards your house. You know, um, we can't be casual uh, with this God. Um, understanding who He is, you know, should dictate how we uh, how we approach Him. So I, I hear a lot of people refer to God as uh, the man upstairs, you know, or, yeah. you know, or, or Jesus, you know, isn't it wonderful? Well, Jesus- I was just say it's like, it's, it's easy to get comfortable and, and overly familiar at times, but that's almost like to my ears, almost blasphemous, you know, to just yes. refer to him like as the man upstairs. That's yes. Yes. So diminishes who God is. That's right. That's right. So if, if you think a, if you think, for example, the Puritans had a blind spot of always being morbidly, uh, morbidly introspective, you know, well, our blind spot is that we never, we're never introspective, you know, we never. And so, you know, I encourage you know to to read Dead Guys. Just a little plug there, but the point I'm trying to make is. Um, we need to be pulled. We, we've got this major blind spot today. And that is of just being overly familiar with the Lord. Uh, he's just our buddy. He's just our pal. And it's true, you know, brother, that Jesus calls us friends. That's wonderful. Right. But when he uses he, the language of, of a father and that, yeah, we, yeah, that, yeah, that familiar relationship, but, but even then, like, are we really, we really respect our earthly fathers. Are we that overly familiar that we just call them that, you know, the guy upstairs or that's my right. old yeah, that's man? A- I mean, I would, I mean, I've always thought it was an insulting to call your dad, your old man, you know, and that's a common phrase. Yeah. 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 That's, that's right, man. And, um, uh, you know, I, I kind of mentioned Charles Finney and, and some of the things that, uh, that's kind of crept into churches and, and, and who do we think, honestly, who do we think we are? to just say anything goes in the way that we construct our churches and our worship. Um, that is a direct result of becoming so familiar with God. It's kind of like what he says. Uh, oh, is it Psalm 50? I think where he says, you thought I was one like yourself. And that's exactly what's going on in a lot of places. We think God's just like yeah. us. And so we'll just, we think, oh, he just fawns over us. Like, listen to some of the songs yeah. we hear. He just fawns over us like we're his high school crush. That yeah. is not the God of the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's, um, but it's easy to misuse scripture to, to get to that too. You know, when you, like you yeah. said, Jesus calls us friend and, and that, um, you know, the scripture does talk, tell us that, that we can draw near to God because of what Jesus did. And, but it's easy to misuse that and think that that means that, you know, you can just come, you know, strutting in half dressed with a beer in your hand kind of thing. And just like, there, there aren't any rules anymore and you just behave how you want and, and uh, lose the respect. That's right. Yeah. But, Very uh, good. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just looking down at my notes again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Un, I, yeah, I think this would be great to talk about the unsafe holiness in that regard. That it's the that um, you know we get overly familiar, 
that can be dangerous. Yeah. And of course, some of your listeners will probably, you know, know that, uh, when I talk about him not being safe, I'm going to C.S. Lewis's description of Aslan there where, where he says um, that uh, who, who said anything uh, to Susie, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And so, um, you know, just, just there, you, people used to be called God fearers, you know, that person f- fears the Lord. You don't hardly hear that language very much no, anymore. And so probably some of that's cultural, but I want to say that that's biblical. That's a biblical, biblical phrase to talk about someone who fears God. We should, we should fear God rightly. He says, Isaiah 66 two. this is the one whom I will look that he who uh, trembles at my word. And so when we take the word and twist it or make fun of it or make light of it, we're not, we're, we don't fear the Lord. And we think that he's a tameable God that will bow, uh, bow the knee to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we've gone through three sections, three chapters so far, and it looks like we're coming up on a half hour into the show. So um, we're not going to get through 12. You took yeah. 12 chapters, which is good because I think um, I, I, I'm enjoying our conversation and the discussion, but I don't want to, I don't want to talk about the whole book cause I want people to get it, get it and read it. And I want people to want to read it and stuff. So, um, but we're at three out of 12 and um, I was just thinking maybe we could take a, a short break. We talked about Andrew Rappaport. I'll drop a little promo for Andrew and then uh, we'll come back and we'll, we'll continue on. You're listening to Echo Zoe Radio. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. So, yeah, thank you again for being on, and I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation on God's holiness and um, so <laughs> it's going to be not the best video because I'm like this whenever I'm talking. I'm, I'm for those of you who are listening, my 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 eyes are constantly down. Um, of course, the camera angle is only on me when I'm the one talking, so you're going to see the top of my head a lot. But <laughs> so um, unblemishable holiness is your next next chapter. Yeah, when I get into this is really when I first begin talking about something that probably most people think about when they think about holiness. Most people, I would guess, when they think about holiness, they think about purity. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've been trying to make the case that holiness means so much more than just the fact that God is pure, but it certainly does have that 
aspect in the definition yeah. of holiness. Holiness does mean that God is unblemishably um, pure in the sense of he's completely free and separate from any and all sin. Yeah. And yeah, and you're right. And it's, it's, it's going back to what we were saying about, you know, like incomprehensible. And I think that's part of, part of our finite mind and the problem of being what and who we are is we, we, we want to comprehend the incomprehensible. And I think that's partly why we go to holiness being equated with purity. And yeah, because we can, we can kind of grasp that, you know, we, we see the, the white lamb against the snow, the fresh, freshly falling snow, you know, we can, we can kind of see, okay, what we thought was white is not quite as white as, as we thought That's was right. the backdrop of the snow. Um, we can grasp that, but, um, but yeah, it's so much more than there's, I mean, it's so multifaceted. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just the idea that, that God is meticulously sovereign over every, you know, nanosecond and particle of dust in the universe. And yet he doesn't, his hands are not dirty, so to speak, in, in sin in any way. Uh, the scriptures teaches, you know, he predestines the cross, but he's not culpable for sin ever, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and so that's what, that's, the, the main part of this chapter is what I mean on, on God's unblinchable uh, holiness. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, that I mentioned is uh, it, when we affirm sin and, and, and really one of the illustrations, just talking about how, how, how homosexuality we're battling over that in our culture today. And, and a lot of churches have capitulated, have surrendered. And, and, and so they think that they're, they're bringing people closer to a holy God by affirming them in their sin. Um, but that is just not true. You're only right. pushing them away and closer to the pit of an eternal hell. Yeah. Well, that's something um, it, maybe I, I can kind of, we can kind of explore a little bit. I don't want to get too far off track because I'm going to take you a little bit off the subject of, of the backdrop of your book. But, um, you know, you did, you did talk a little bit about holy mystery and, and that sin attacks the character of God. And something that I've been kind of mulling about, and I've run by my own pastor and, and, and friends who um, I think are, you know, you know, I look up to theologically and whatnot. Um, I've been really thinking through the nature of sin and, and coming to, and I, I'm kind of just throwing this out there as like, I want criticism. So if you, if you disagree with me, please be, feel free to say, no, I don't think that's right. But, um, but that, that sin, that the idea is that, that all sin is a form of blasphemy. And what I mean by that is that because we are creatures that are made in the image of God, that we reflect God to some degree. Mm-hmm. And that when we sin, what we're doing is we're testifying to creation that this is what God is like. Mm-hmm. And that's blasphemous. To, to, that when we say we get involved in adultery, that we're, we're saying God is an adulterous God. Or when we steal, we say that God is a thief. And when we say, when we murder, we say that God is a murderous God. And, mm-hmm. and it's something I, I want to hash out more because I think it could, we could get really deep in it. And, um, and that, you know, 
the scriptures also tell us that, you know, first John one nine, if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just. And I think that in some regards, my, my like theological theory here that by confessing your sin, you're circumventing that blasphemy by saying, look, I recognize that what I did is not reflective of God. That's, that's mm-hmm. not who God is. And what I did is wrong. Don't look at me and say, that's who God is. You know, what do you think? Is this no, far-fetched? I think, I, think, no, I think you're on a good track, brother. And I think, you know, we think about, for example, think about the very first sin and think about Adam and Eve. And, and when God approaches Adam and he asks Adam, what, what have you done? And Adam says uh, in, in Genesis 3, 12, the woman whom you gave. Yeah, that's, I always get a kick out of that. That was chutzpah. So not only does he indict his wife, right? but he indicts God. That was, yeah, that is chutzpah, if there ever was. Yeah, and he says, you, uh, so, so essentially, say so you're responsible for this. And um, I think you're on the right track, you know, because practically, we may not be verbally blasphemous um, because we may even say, we may even say the right things about God. Mm-hmm. But when we sin, we are, we are showing contempt for, yeah. for God. It's, we, we're uh, uh, besmirching his glory. We are, as Sproul says, cosmic treason, you know? And so we are uh, essentially communicating that God is not as glorious as he says he is. And so I think that would fit that category. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I've been, it's something I've been considering and I've bounced off a few people and stuff that I really, like I say, I really trust and stuff in it. It, um, is it something that I see? I, when I, you know, you watch a conference or you listen to a sermon or you get into a, a book, um, where with people you really trust and have really solid theology. It's something that I, that personally I see people kind of brush up against but they don't quite articulate the way, the way I've been thinking it, you know? And so it's hard to know, is this something that you really, do you see it that way? Cause, cause uh, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, either of us is right or wrong on, on the subject, but this, that it's not articulated in that way. Well, I have a life goal, Andy, yeah. that I never, I never want a heresy named after. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty solid goal. <laughs> so uh, I'm with you, brother, on the thinking through, you know, thinking through these thoughts. And we want to, you know, we want to have freedom in expressing these thoughts. Uh, and at the same time, like you said, we want to make sure. <laughs> that's the thing. And, I, and I'm on the same track. I don't want this to, I don't want to find out 20 years from now that's heretical. And that's the. The Olson doctrine? Yeah. Don't, don't want that. Don't, yeah. That's not the Olson doctrine. That's right. A bunch of Olsonites. Right yeah. Exactly. Olson, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The sad thing is that, that my name is common enough that there probably is a heretical group out there called the Olsonites. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you know of such, keep it to yourself, please. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but, uh, um, and then, you know, flowing out of that, you get into the holy dilemma. And I think this is something that we all, all it goes through all of our heads at some point, especially, or, you know, when we're young baby Christians. Yeah. Um, you know, just, uh, just the idea of if, if God is unblemishable and has no spot, no wrinkle in his, um, in his, in his, moral perfections, then, uh, 
what are we going to do about that? Right. Because oftentimes we take comfort in verse. Oh, you cut out. Versus like Romans, all of sin, you know, so they, everyone's a sinner. Yeah. And so I heard somebody one time, it might've been R.C. Sproul that said, uh, he asked his son, you know, when he was younger, um, if so-and-so was in heaven and, and his son said, yes. And his dad said, why? And he said, well, because he's dead, you know? <laughs> and so he was saying, you know, justification by death. We just think, uh, sometimes it's acted that way at funerals. Well, that guy's dead. He must be in, in heaven. But if we take these Bible passages, seriously, none is righteous. Yeah. The, how do we ever get in the presence of a holy God? And of course the answer is, um, that Christ who knew no sin took our sin upon himself uh, so that by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, uh, we might be credited with his righteousness forensically uh, on our account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the analogy you used on there was you talk about like a college professor and how, um, you know, God's not a college professor where he, he made the test so hard that he has to grade on a curve. You know, yeah. and that there's there's nothing about God that says that He has to let anyone in heaven, let alone a certain percentage. You know, yeah, and that He has to lower the bar to get that percentage in. That I know yeah. a lot of a lot of times a an unbeliever, or a questioning unbeliever, might ask, well, you know, and Armenians too actually will will say, well, it's not fair. What well, it's you know, God saving some and not others isn't fair. But of course, once we really understand the scripture and we understand God's holiness, we understand, right, it's not fair and we don't want it to be fair because if it was fair, we would all be in trouble. We'd all be yeah. judged and rightly so. That's right. That's right. Well, one other thing I would like to mention about God's unblemishable holiness is it's honestly a subject's not talked about a whole lot. And that is, um, I mentioned that he's aesthetically unblemished. And, and what I mean is the Bible talks about the beauty of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, Psalm 27, four, the to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Um, and there is such a thing. So, I'm going to go ahead and, and hopefully not alienate too many of your listeners, but uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder, that's not right. <laughs> there is a thing as objective beauty, uh, you know, beauty in the eye of the creator. That's right. Yeah. God is objectively beautiful and creation points that one of the things that creation and, and think about this, Andy, we live in a fallen world. And, you know, I'm wearing glasses. So if you're, if you're watching this, you can tell that your listeners, now they know I'm wearing glasses. So I have fallen eyes and I live in a fallen world. And yet I can still behold the beauty uh, of, of this creation, you know, whether that's a, a beautiful sunrise or uh, a snowy mountain, or, you know, we had a bonfire tonight at church and just beautiful standing around the fire and we see that these things are the beauty of our creation. They're just arrows, man, pointing to a, to a, to a beautiful God. Yeah. Sorry. You mentioned glasses and I just got my first pair about a year ago and <laughs> I feel your <laughs> Look pain, at those, man. Yeah. I don't need them yet. I, just, I mean, they're, my vision's just slightly less than perfect, but they do. Yeah. Help. They do help. But uh, definitely. Yeah. I feel the pain. 
Yeah. Well, you talk about sin being blasphemous. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that sin is, it's just foolish because yeah. it, it's settling for less. Oh, uh, yeah. For infinitely less than what God offers us in himself. Um, and so, you know, whether that's uh, lust or whether that's greed or, you know, whatever, it's, it, it, it's, it's not going to do for your soul what God has created your soul for. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think, kind of the struggle that we go through in part of the sanctification process is, is um, at least I have in my life, is just recognizing that day by day that um, when you start to see your sin and, and start to understand how much, like how much that hurt, even though it, that it might've seemed fun or felt good at the time or whatever, um, you know, that's, that's part of, of God bestowing, uh, you know, granting us wisdom as seeing that no, it wasn't, wasn't worth it. Well, this goes back to what you're saying about sin being blasphemous. When we sin, we're essentially saying, I don't believe that yeah. God is who he says he is. Right. Um, because if we believe that, Andy, we wouldn't sin. I wouldn't snap at my wife. I wouldn't get impatient in traffic. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get, you know, so brokenhearted when the Cowboys lose, you know, <laughs> um, it all comes back to, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but the heart of this book is the fundamental problem of all our problems, the root of all our problems is a misunderstanding of who God is. You can trace everything wrong in our lives back to uh, not fully understanding and trusting who the God of the Bible is. Yeah, well said. Yeah. And, and he has unmatchable holiness. Yeah. So there's, there, there is no one like our God, right? Yep. No, no comparisons. Um, you know, the, the seraphim in Isaiah six are around the throne, but you know, I think as Paul Washer probably said, you know, there's not a degree uh, like, you just kind of go up a little bit more like God, like, you know, the maggots know we're like God, but the seraphim, they're a little bit more like God, but that's not true. He's in, because holy means that God is in a category all by himself. Mm -hmm. And so the seraphim stay in his presence and they cover their face and they cover their feet and they fly. And, um, there, there is, uh, there's no chest. these These are sinless beings themselves. That's right. That's a good point. That's right. They, they do not know sin Mm -hmm. and they are still unmatchable. Uh, They still don't match God's holiness. Mm -hmm. Um, I also talk about in there too, just the idea, you know, God and Satan aren't playing a chess match. You know, I heard one time, you know, for someone giving a uh, evangelistic presentation or something, God's voted. Yes. Satan's voted. No. And what's your vote? You know, and uh, it's just nonsense. God yeah. and Satan are not on equal terms. Satan is on God's leash, so to speak. And um, so there is none like our God. There's none holy like our God. Absolutely. Yeah, going back to the angels, that was something I missed on a previous um, part of the discussion was I did want to bring up that when we see 
in scripture, we see different people uh, come face to face with angels and these angels are not God, but they're holy, you know, they're, they're sinless. And yet they are so splendid in their beauty that people avert their eyes and they drop and want to worship. And these are just creatures. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Nobody looks at angels the way we think of angels or the way that you see angels depicted. That's not the way that, you know, when people saw angels in the Bible, they were always afraid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so if, if those are concepts we can kind of grasp, how much greater is the Lord? Yeah. Well, that's the thing that I think is, I mean, there's so many different angles to, to look at that and different, different implications of that, that, um, you know, you think about like, we were just talking spiritual warfare last month and, and how people blaspheme the Lord by claiming trips to heaven and stuff. And, and that when you see people in scripture that go to heaven, what happens? They're, they're undone. They're, uh, Isaiah had the, the, the stone that was taken out of the fire and put on his lips and, um, and these people, you know, some of these people, they're just so flippant. That's right. You know, That's right. Oh God. You know, we, we played a basketball match together in a little one-on-one like pickup game or whatever. And like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, in fact, in, in this, you know, when we, how, how many, how many times do you walk out of, or, or sorry, I shouldn't say between me and you, but like how many people walk out of a church service when they walk out of church service, uh, what we want them to be is in awe of God and think about how great God is, not how great the children's program is or how cool the music guy or how well he can sing or how hip the preaching was or, or how wonderful the special effects. We all try to, so the seraphim, they, they, they stay out of the way, right? And they just proclaim the holiness of God. Well, in a sense, there's an application there, I think for our worship services. And that is our worship services are not about us. Right. They are, they're about the Lord. So, so, you know, preachers preach the Holy one and get out of the way <laughs> worship leaders, you know, lead us to the throne, but I don't want to see you, honestly, you know, I don't want to see your hair gel or whatever. <laughs> I want to see, I'm being a little, you know, picky, there, but I want to see the Holy one. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, and then you talk about idolatry and like worship, worthless idols and stuff too. That that um, you know anything that we put ahead of God, you know, it's just it's just insane. It's really yeah. insane. Yeah, I, I could go. I could probably go on that for a while. It's just a lot of uh, a lot, lot of nonsense, a lot of application there, and, and things that are going. But again. Again, you know, if I really understand who God is, um, then 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 what I want to talk about with you is is not me. <laughs> no, I, I want to talk about who the Lord is, you know, and, and the egos that are in the pulpits today, and 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 even myself, I, I need to be be careful and and think about, you know, what 
the ego can get the best of all of us, but but the egos that are in the pulpits today, and it's all about the preacher. It's all about this one guy on stage, man. That is so idolatrous. Mm-hmm. That's not. It's not about you. It's about the Holy One and what He has done and who He is. And so, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, we yeah, certainly. I like. I, like uh, I know it comes up when I from time to time when I hear about um, Chris Rosebro coined that narcissus. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, man, you're going to push me up again. Well, that's what, that's all people want to hear. They want to hear the, they want to hear how the Bible um, is all about them and how they're the hero. And, you know, how God's reckless love is just so, you know, it's just, it's, it's just frustrating, man. And, and, and it all comes back to a, unclear picture of who the God of the Bible is. Yeah. Well, let's just go one more and then then we'll be halfway through. Okay. okay. (laughs) And we're at 50, uh, just about 53 minutes. So timing will be good, but unquestionable holiness. Yeah. Um, Well, let's be honest. If you ever get in a discussion with the professed atheist or I read um, the late Rachel Held Evans book um, where she was kind of talking about how the Bible wasn't inspired and the things that these people will bring up is, okay. In first Samuel 15, I think it's verse two, God commands Saul to kill children. Okay. Infants is what I think the ESV translates it. What are you going to do with that? You know, how, so there's a few options, I guess. One is just say, well, that's just barbaric, you know. Or can we trust that in everything he decides and decrees and does, he is holy. Mm-hmm. Um, unquestionably, God is holy. And uh, I think, in fact, I'll, I'll mention this, but I think, let me just double check something here. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if you know this, but I dedicate this chapter to the memory of Emmeline Rose. Uh, Emmeline was a stillborn child um, that was prayed for, prayed for, prayed for. And I preached her funeral a couple of years ago, and uh, it was terribly sad. And we didn't understand, and I didn't know what to preach, and I just... I just decided to uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 and, you know, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and our children, you know, forever. And so the point that I was trying to make is we don't understand everything. I don't understand why certain things happen to certain people, but I do know this. I do know unquestionably God is holy. And so that's kind of the the point, um, you know, the, the the repetition of holy, holy, holy. That's an emphasis there. That's holy to the to the highest degree. So in in all things, you know, God's love, God's justice. We could put the adjective holy in front of all of that. His yeah. love, His mercy, His grace, all of that is holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Well. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm ready to, to kind of point towards closing. Um, is okay. there anything else that maybe you wanted to cover before I 
we get to that point or yeah you know obviously i would say obviously i would love for for folks to 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 pick up a copy of the book but you know what um more than that i, I would point them to the word the word of god the scriptures and just plead with people to be Bible readers, regular Bible readers, um, because God wants us to know who he is in his holiness. Yeah. And that's how we're going to know it, is being committed to to searching the scriptures. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. As far as getting the book, um, I think people will have missed out because by the time this is out, maybe even by the time we're recording this now, um, it was it was on Amazon for a dollar on Kindle. Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. yeah. Is, that, is it still? Is... Uh, tomorrow, the thirty first is the last day. Oh, okay. So, and the show won't be up by then. It'll be yeah, um, probably over the weekends, the November second or third. Will it'll yeah. be posted? But um, of course, it's available on Kindle, it, it, Kindle and Amazon. It it won't be a dollar anymore, but it's there. And then yeah. you had offered um, a giveaway, so yes. I want to thank you and take advantage of that too. Um, and, um, we'll do what we did with uh, Jim Osmond last month. If you're interested in the book and, and uh, please, I think you should be, it, it's a very good book. And, um, we'll just do the same thing we did. Just contact me, um, somehow any, any way you want, whether it's through the Facebook page or you can tweet me either through the Echo Zoe page or, uh, my personal um, so at Echo Zoe or my personal is at AVG Andy, Average Andy. Um, say, hey, I'd like a book. Um, if if I follow you, you can DM me. Um, I got I got one of the, at least one of those uh, DM. Um, the phone number is on the website. You can call. Um, you can uh, send me snail mail, uh, smoke signals. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I, I don't do Ouija boards, so you're going to have to find a different way than that. But um, any way you can think of just well set again the deadline i'll set for um november 30th last day of the month at uh at the close of the day central time i'm in central time u.s if uh or, you know i'll probably see it the next morning if you want to do the middle of the night but december 1st i'll do the drawing and then uh alan will send you a copy so yes sir yeah thank you for that yeah, man. If you're if you're if your listeners, uh, if somebody wants to book before then and, and wants to buy it, um, you know, I'll I'll do the deal of ten dollars and I'll cover the shipping. And so that'll be a special price for your listeners if they want to reach out to me and and just say, uh, hey, I, I heard about this on on Echoes OA. Uh, uh, they can, yeah, I'll be willing to do that. Well, thank you for that too. That's awesome. And how can they do that? How can they reach out to you? Well, the easiest way, uh, my, my DMs on Twitter are open. So the easiest way is, is just on Twitter, at Quattro Nelson. So that's uh, uh, that's my nickname. So at C-U-A-T-R-O-N-E-L-S-O-N. Or, or you know, thingsabove.us. Uh-huh. We have a con- t- contact page so they, c- they can reach out through thingsabove.us. Okay. And that's, if you're going to the show notes, it's it's linked to at least at least twice. I can I've already actually written bunch of the post just to get it ready so um of course you can go to things us or you can click on the link at equizoe.com slash 139 um, but yeah thanks so much alan it's uh, been a pleasure to have you on again and are you writing any more books <laughs> <laughs> i am kind of working on one um i don't know if it'll be out 
uh, for us to do a show next year, November of 2020. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I'm working on one on the local church, and so I want to definitely, uh, you know, continue to to try to make that right. So, okay, all right. Well, thank you. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 139. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com slash 139. Be sure to check out also the website for links to connect with Echo Zoe on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and love to connect with you. So follow, like, and subscribe to Echo Zoe Ministries. You can also help us get the word out by sharing and retweeting the announcements to your favorite episodes. So, Lord willing, we will be back next month for the December episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 